0: to look for a way out to get myself out of depression medications will boost you a bit but i had to do the rest of the work. Mm. and then had to be me being very very conscious it's hard the hardest thing if you know a family member who gets out of depression i read somewhere that people need to start giving a, a card to people who have been through mental illness, and honestly, they
1: deserve a party. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the hard conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African. We are going to wrap up the Mental Health Awareness Month, which is the month of May, by having a conversation with someone who has experienced several mental health issues, including anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and psychosis. Her life story includes a history of physical, mental, and emotional abuse, rape and trauma, which wounded her in a mental institution twice. Despite all these experiences, she found a way to overcome her mental health struggles and is very passionate about empowering other people, especially in the African community, who may be going through a similar experience. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Patience Abonge. Hi, Patience.
0: Hi. Um- Anya. is
1: Anya, right? Yes, Anya. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right, <laughs> thank you.
1: Great. I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much. So I am so glad. I mean, we've spoken briefly before, but your story just touched me. And uh, thanks to our mutual friend, Teresa, for recommending you, you know, for us to have this discussion, especially to shed more light on mental health. And I mean, just hearing a brief summary of your story just blew me away and got me interested to want to know more and also how we can use your story to impact and influence our community and empower our community to be more sensitive towards mental health. So we're just going to cut to the chase and I'll just ask you to maybe tell us your story, a summary of your life so far, basically.
0: Before getting married, I was known as an patient. I remember asking my grandmother, you know, we want to know our names, like what's the meaning of your name? And I remember asking my grandmother, what's the meaning of my name? But first of all, I've got just two names. I started with her, like, Why have I got just two names? And right. What's the meaning of my traditional name? Which she explained that it means something That's I'm from Angkor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which has something, mm-hmm. good, good news.
1: Right.
0: News. She gave me different explanations to that name, which had to boil down with the fact that it has to do with news—yeah, be it good news, bad news—and she said the reason why she named me that was because my mother had me at a very young age, and people were talking about her and my hmm.
1: mother. Hmm. My mother had me when
0: she was fifteen. Hmm. So this is to say, I was born by a teenage mother mm-hmm. who was
1: fifteen
0: at the time, and. I can only imagine
1: the circumstances
0: that yes. surrounded my birth at that time. Yes. Back then, with a the stigma to begin with. Yeah. The 15 year of having a child. So my grandmother, I think, was embarrassed.
1: Mm.
0: Think people said, and uh, definitely she was ashamed. Yeah. This is we're
1: talking about. Yeah, and back in the day as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, back in the day. So it was... It was news in town, like my grandmother, and that's why she had to name me Anu, which has to be good news, bad news, because she said Anu Umbomanda. Dawa, that's my local language. It means good news or news doesn't. Everyone has got something in their news, house. News. So yes. When you're talking about house, probably remember that you've got something in your house that people can talk about. Right. And
1: so I
0: remember growing up, like. To remember exactly, most of my childhood from zero to four years old, I don't think I really remember a lot. But I remember from the age of four years old to this point in time. Yeah. I used to live with a family related my aunt
1: mm-hmm. when
0: I was about four years old. And when I used to live with my aunt, I thought she was my mother. Mm. She had
1: her, but they
0: were my parents. Right. But later on, I was fine, like every other child, happy living with your parents.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, every time I did something, her late husband would call me names like
1: hmm. bastard, you know,
0: hmm. bastard, you know, those kind of insults. Yeah. And I started questioning, like, is this, what's the meaning of bastard to begin with? Hmm. I asked around and I was told it means a child who hasn't got a dad. And then I'm thinking,
1: okay,
0: if this is my dad, he can't call me a bastard
1: yeah
0: i later learned that my aunt was not my mother and that was when my trauma psychologically started,
1: started. yes
0: anything that anyone did to me in the house definitely because they are not my parents
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that was when i started being affected psychologically as a child Because mm-hmm. now like even if you do even the least punishment even if punish me for no for, for, for something that I deserved. I'll just think because you're not know, my mother.
1: Mother, yes. Yes. That's
0: why I'm being punished for that. Yeah. And so I lived with my auntie. I experienced that um psychological trauma. I never saw my mother at that age. And I later on my with my grandmother. Hmm. So you no know, basically when I was even with my auntie that was when I got raped at the age of six. but I couldn't tell anyone even most of my family members. is when I put the video out there in fact almost all of my family members not even most all of them so when I put the video out there that okay most of them came back to me like what yeah,
1: said, yeah. because
0: no one ever gave me the audience
1: right to confide in to them
0: me. yeah so it was a shock to me
1: Do you mind, uh, if I may interrupt you, do you mind, are you comfortable saying who raped you? You don't have to call a name, but the relationship, because I want parents to understand, you know, who they leave their kids around, like I had mentioned in my previous podcast episode. And also I want children, and even siblings to be very mindful because historically it's the people closest to you as a child that actually have their way in raping you, you know, hypothetically. So I don't know if you are comfortable talking about the relationship you had with the person who raped you.
0: It's a family member. I would honestly not want to say who.
1: Okay. But
0: it's a family member. It was a close family at
1: okay. the time. Okay. Yeah. I cannot
0: remember exactly the circumstances around that, but I know it's a family member. Mm-hmm. I later moved in with my grandmother and then now I'm like, these are not my parents. Where are my parents? But those questions, I them to myself because no one would want to listen or no one would want to tell me who my parents were, where they were. So I lived from... Age of four, right up to the age of ten, when I started living with my grandmother, was still the question: who were my parents? Hmm. So, right up to when I was going to secondary school, that was the first time I saw my mother. At when I was in form one,
1: wow! And my mother used
0: to be in duala She lived all her life in duala So, relatives, how did I find out my mother was in duala In Douala? When the insults I got from relatives close relatives? Hmm. Okay, so it's like they are yeah, don't go after
1: Do leave you there? To
0: suffer. Mm-hmm. This is me a child.
1: Yeah, let's 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 translate that to English for the non-Cameroonian listeners. And also just to add to that, Douala is a different region in Cameroon. So it's a very remote region from uh the northwest region in Cameroon as well. Yeah.
0: So I've got insults like my mother is a prostitute. Mm. In the capital city of Cameroon,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I've been left with this relative to cater for me, so I I, I was like a burden to that. Yeah, most of my relatives. Yeah, because and that is how I felt. I felt I wasn't welcomed anywhere. Right. So I also reserved, even though I used to be a very jovial kid. I get a lot of people were surprised when I put that video out there. Yeah, because if you grew up with me, if I don't. I had to convince a lot of friends to believe my story because I didn't look like my story. Yeah.
1: Like, you my still family. don't though. I give it to you. You still don't. Like you look so jovial. I love your videos. I mean Yeah.
0: Yeah, so no one a lot of people I guess were really shocked. of oh, a lot of them reached out to me, like, really, did you experience all of this? I say, Yeah, because I don't look like any of those
1: things. Yes.
0: And at a very young age I had to make myself happy. Even if it meant just pretending to be happy. Yes. So I've got this jovial side of me, which was a way of numbing my pain.
1: Yeah. Because I was going through a lot of psychological trauma from the insults I got.
0: Now I don't know who my dad is. Now I know my mother is a prostitute in Douala like I've been told. Yeah. And those insults get back to me. I should make sure I don't become like my mother mm. someday and Find out. How did I find out who my dad was? Through the same insults. No one ever sat me down to tell me, "This is your dad. This is your mother." Through insults, and they get. In, I'll get insults. How my dad was introduced to me first it was from the relative I said I was living with. The child of a, you're a bastard.
1: That's how right.
0: And then another relative was like, pa, that, that your dad might be." Um, the captain of an arm robber. Huh. So you behave like a thief. Oh. So those are the kind of things I was being told. Oh. And so I lived on education
1: was your solace. <laughs> it,
0: it, it. I loved going to school, but mm. education was a problem because most of the times I went to school hungry. Most of oh. the time, I went to school with no books. Most, I. My name was. My name starts with A. So alphabetically, I was always the first on the list. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to be sent home. I'll be the first to be getting for school fees and stuff like that.
1: Right. So
0: my life around education, but I was very jovial. and happy. I I was very happy in school.
1: Mm -hmm. You'll
0: never know. You'll never even think of it that I could be going through such things. Mm -hmm. So... My, like Therese, that was when I met her because I I didn't pass, the, I think I met Therese in the secondary school in Mancon, yeah. I think that was when she left 16 or something.
1: Yeah. That was
0: where I, I had to manage, maybe after like four times I wrote really not because I'm not a bright student, but
1: yeah, the circumstances, school, yeah.
0: Surrounding my education. And, and so I quite remember when I wanted to go to uni, Uni was like an escape route for me, to be honest. Right. I was just running away most of the time. School, school to me was
1: like an escape route. Right. Because
0: I know I will not study, but I just need to leave my environment and go somewhere. Yeah. And so uni really was the same thing because I wasn't given school fees to go to uni. Rather, I was insulted. Yeah. I told like you don't go. You you've been to school at least for seven years. Like I need. I've I've been educated right up to high school, so I might as well just stay at home. And so I, my university was a very tough one. A friend had to help me, and I lived with a friend all along in Yaoundé for I went to uni for two years. So I was living with a friend, and we had to fend for ourselves. Sometimes, yeah, we went around because if you ask some people, they're like, oh went around with men, but no one knew why you did those things
1: because we needed Yes, money. yes. To so sustain
0: yourself, because you were not having that money from the adults and the people who were supposed to be looking after you. I think I escaped when uh, my mother came and she paid my fees in Form 1, and then I never saw my mother again. Hmm. Right up to when I went to high school, after I passed the advanced level, like, yeah, so That was when I saw my mother again.
1: Hmm.
0: And then I went to uni. I think while I was in uni, I saw my mother like three times again.
1: Wow. So, my... so where was she all this time? Was she still in Douala?
0: Yeah, she was in Douala. I've hmm.
1: okay. been in Douala. Okay. And then the second, um, and then I left from uni
0: and then I got married. I met mm-hmm. my husband and I got married and then I came to England. hmm now you're thinking you've left your country, you've come to England, and everything is going to be fine. Life is going to be smooth and better. Yeah. But now, at this point of my life, I've realized that your trauma as a child only gets buried. Yeah. But after it's a after a while. Yes. So to me, you're thinking, oh, because I used to, I, then I couldn't even name feelings I had then, like, I used to have this pain behind my neck. We had to do with the stress and the the anxiety that I used to go through and the things, like, so much pain that I was going through. Yeah. But like I said, I was very jovial. I was very, I was always laughing. So, and we are told in Africa, you're not, pain and suffering have been normalized. Yeah. How do you even go telling someone? And then I used to look good, look okay. Yeah. To start telling someone that, oh, not food to eat. No, it it, it it was not possible unless you were really close to me before you even believe that story. And so when I left Cameroon, I was like, "Oh, thank God, my stress and pressure." I did not. I could, like I said, I didn't. I didn't know what to name what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. And I moved to in no no. My husband was in Germany at the time because he's in the military, so
1: mm-hmm. we
0: were in Germany at the time. I was in Germany for six years. Mm-hmm. Now I went honeymoon, I was happy, excited, and I felt relieved from the, the stress that I had left back home. When I had my first son and all oh, your dream, my dreams at this at this point is to have a child, have someone, finally have that brother because I, I didn't have siblings. Yeah. I finally have that brother, I finally have that sister that I can talk to and play with and I have my first son very excited, then you have the child all by yourself. Mm. At this point in time, I have I've always been that child in the family where I didn't have a brother, I didn't have a sister. I had cousins to depend on. Yeah. But these cousins had their sisters, they had their brothers. Other cousins had their brothers, they had their sisters. Yeah. So I was the only person who didn't have the mother in her life. Who didn't? Who had not seen the father? Who, who was like a burden to the family? Yeah. So I always felt lonely. So that's why I said I was psychologically abused because, you know, it was hurting. Yes. To the point where I used to cry myself to sleep most of the times. Cry myself in the bathroom, just cry, and you know, come out and start laughing like I normally do. So now I have my first child, and then I found out he's autistic.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, all the pain, I, the first year, first one and a half year of his life, I was still all right, feeling happy and knowing that, oh, okay, finally I have that son, I have that brother, I have that, <clears throat> that dad that you've been looking for. And then my son was about one and a half year old and then I found him a mm mm-hmm. That, to me, was like, when the, I found that before the pediatrician actually told me, it was just like a confirmation because I had seen the signs and I went online to Dr. Google and I was asking, like, why is my son not? Because I realized he wasn't playing with his care,
1: yes. care group
0: at the time. And all the red flags, like not making eye contact, not hitting some milestones, not responding to his name, all of those things he couldn't do at the time. And I felt dead inside. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. And so when the pediatrician told me, I just felt a part of me die. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, some of the kids might talk, Some some of them might never talk. From everything he said, I couldn't hear anything apart from the fact that I heard that my son might never talk, my son might never interact, and I was dead in my head, dead in my body, and I was pregnant at the time. Yeah. So
1: that was when my depression actually started. Mm. Then no
0: one knew I was going through all of that in my mind. I, I did not tell anyone my son was autistic all through Germany. And so it was killing me psychologically. Hmm. Now I go online to, to, to break the internet to find solutions for autism, and then I'll get um, read things like, oh, the siblings to my one, the the siblings might become autistic, and then I'm pregnant. And I'm thinking, what if my baby in here becomes autistic again? So I'm traumatized at that time. I'm afraid, I don't even, I don't even know who to turn to. Yeah. I didn't even know my family members as well. And so I had to go through that period in stress, crying, depression, crying, and crying myself, waking up, until I finally had my daughter, and I had to, on my own, put an extra effort to make sure that she could talk. Yeah. Like, because people started blaming me now oh. in the community. Saying, oh, I didn't bring up my son properly. Oh, I didn't teach my son how to talk. I had questions like, why is your son not talking? I mean, you're asking a mother with a child at about three years old. I think no mother makes the child to talk. Yeah. I cannot tell them that my son is autistic because I was ashamed. Hmm. The stigma. Then I thought it was a taboo to talk about autism. Yeah. So I couldn't even tell anyone my son was autistic or my son had autism. And that was killing me. Because when we go for parties, I would have to play with my son. He doesn't interact with other kids. Yeah. I had to, to be around my son all the time. I was wishing for him to be normal. Yes. So I had to try to do the things that he, he should pretend to be normal in the face of everyone. Yeah. And that was draining psychologically. I cannot lock myself up in the house. I cannot lock my son up. We need to go out. But now I can't tell anyone he has this, this condition. And then, now some of my family members got, like, I was rejected by most of my family members at this point when I was going through all of these things. We now moved to Germany, to England. England, yeah. With all these things that I've described, I don't have support from my family members. Most of my family members. I've not got that support.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, they're marriage, and I can't talk to people. And, you know, you are are married yourself. You cannot talk. You don't have a dad to talk to. You don't have a brother. You don't have a sister. And then we now have this conflict in the family where people are not talking to people. People are not talking to me. And I'm stuck with my problems all in my head. Yeah. Including my already childhood trauma. Now I have another trauma in marriage. I've given, sons of, I've given birth to a son. Who's autistic. I'm a mother with no support from her family. I am a mother afraid to tell the community that this is exactly what she's going through. When we moved to England... The circumstances around my son's education did not make things any better. Because I remember the school kept calling me all the time to give complaints about my son. So every time they called me, I was just breaking. I would cry, like, cry on the way to pick my son, cry on the way to come back home. So I was depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed at the time. But I, yeah. I started having insomnia, I couldn't but now because I was so stressed. Out. And then I think there was a media trigger, which was like this family thing I'm saying. A lot of people just, and why did I even do this? I started asking a lot of questions. Okay, this is what happened. I started asking a lot of questions from my family members. Mm-hmm. Questions that had to do with the dysfunctionality that was happening in my family. I grew up to see people not talking to people, cousins not talking to cousins, aunties not talking to aunties. And there was a big question mark somewhere. And then I started questioning those things and trying to use instances or examples from me to say, listen, I think some of the reasons why our parents were doing the things they did, then I haven't, I had not even done the research that I have done at this point in time, but I could reason the way I reasoned at the time. And with my research now, it's the same thing I was thinking of the child at that time. Yeah. I question those things, and then I tried to bring the evidence, the, the, the physical uh, uh, abuse that I had from relatives and family members, and the horrific, like, I had family members I honestly don't want to describe how the punishment i had because it's really sad so i had to bring this because i've got things like bite marks on my body right up to this moment wow as a child i was if i can catch something and i still got a bite mark somewhere on my hand it reminds me because now my family members are like oh you have to forget
1: no the scars are there
0: As you see me doing this so there's a bike mark here there's nothing i do every day without seeing this map as a reminder oh my goodness as a reminder and so my point in my family at the time of like this this thing did not serve you guys our aunties our uncles our cousins so i believe if we the kids now have to change from this uh, patterns and pathology that have been going on in the family we can make a difference.
1: Yeah. So
0: it was mostly cousins uh, in this in this chat group. It was a chat group. Oh my God. And because I was describing the the the, the, the way I was being punished, just mm-hmm. like I said, I don't even want to stay on on
1: Yeah. The way I was
0: being punished, and the people who did these things to me were in that group and they were so pissed off to the point where I was told I've been old. And it's four years now, none of them have spoken to me.
1: Wow,
0: I was disowned while I was going through all that trauma, all those things. Simply because I am trying to identify myself, to know who I am, to ask questions: Who was my dad? Who was my? What was happening? What happened around my birth? And things like that. So I got disowned by my family, and then I have all of these issues. I have a child with a disability, all by myself. And one day, I just went to work. I came back. And the rest of the story was in a mental institution. Hmm. Like I just, my head became like a computer that was very hard and it
1: yes, it, it, crashed. it crashed. Yes, yeah. And then
0: the next thing I knew was I was in an ambulance. I was being taken to a mental institution where I was there for three weeks, close to one month. I went in in November of two thousand and sixteen, and I left a few days, I think around the 23rd of, January of
1: um, December, September.
0: when I left the hospital, because then I suffered from psychosis, anxiety, and later on a major depression. Mm-hmm. So when I left the hospital in September, in I was on medication, antidepressants and psychotic medications as well. And I had care from the community, mental health community. I had, like, a support worker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing is, I was going to work after that. I was doing care, support work myself, and I had a carer. Mm-hmm. But I never told anyone I've at have worked that this, what I had experienced. Yeah. Like, no one was going to employ
1: me to begin with. Yeah.
0: So I think I'm mentally ill, and I'm coming to look after other people who have got mental issues as
1: well. Yes.
0: But I had to do that because it was a way of me leaving home as well for one year i was majorly depressed hmm. i think what i realized in our community is people confuse major depression to a day-to-day stress
1: yes that's true
0: and so when someone says i'm depressed you're not the first to be depressed that's the response
1: you get. right you dismissive of? yeah the dismissive because response
0: why should you say you're depressed
1: yeah you've
0: got a kid you've got a husband you've got so they don't know the impact
1: that's true
0: for depression
1: and that's insensitive as well
0: and they think that oh you have it all so you're happy but they don't know your history Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they don't even know the struggles you're going
1: through yeah
0: is a beautiful face that has left the house in the streets, that's all they know. Yeah. So when I was going through major depression, as I can describe it, I fell dead to the wall. Like the world did not exist. Like before this podcast this morning, there's a lady who called me. She's like, oh, she's doing charity work and someone said I was doing mental health. She was doing mental health charity and someone told her I was doing I was doing an awareness program. And then she's asking me, oh she didn't know I went through all of this. I said, yeah I went through all of this. And I was depressed in this lady's house. She remembered when I pulled on weight.
1: She remembered wow. when I
0: didn't talk to anybody. So I asked her this morning, what did you think was happening to, to me? To you, yeah. And that's right when I was in your house. She thought, oh, maybe because I just came from Germany. I didn't want to interact with people. I was just keeping to myself. Um, that's how she felt. See, yeah, I was depressed. I was in the midst of people, but I was depressed. She said, yeah, she could see from the weight I had gained. She yeah. I was just.
1: But she couldn't check on you? Like.
0: She didn't. That's the thing, because you never know. Just because. Yeah. I, the, the signs were clear. And I yeah, she could. She she knew something was not right. And then now I said to myself, okay, this is why this awareness is very, very
1: important. important.
0: Yes. I was in your house 10 days, realized that I wasn't okay. But,
1: yeah, you gave me food, I ate But I but you didn't say anything. You did not ask how are you? How are those those three words, how are you, they go a long way. Yeah.
0: So not to say not to say I'm blaming anyone. Yeah. I'm not blaming anyone, but I'm just using that example to show that you might you can't be around someone who's really depressed. They still laugh. They still look okay. Some yes. Depressed people even still look happy. Yes. Depressed. Yes. And so, moving on now to 2018, how did I get out of that depression at that time? I had put on weight. Like when I moved to England, I was exercising on a daily basis. I used to go for runs every morning, I used to go to the gym mm-hmm. five days in a week, and then I'll run seven days in a week. When I moved to England in September, I used to be a size 12. I don't know. I think it's a 10 in the U.S. Yeah. And then I walked out, and then I became size eight UK eight. Just within that period. Yeah. So I went to hospital when I was a size eight, and then I left hospital
1: a size sixteen. Oh my goodness.
0: So the difference was like double. Someone got in, and then someone came out. I couldn't even look at myself on I mean, the. I was embarrassed with my own self the chocolates of the people around me I couldn't look at myself in a mirror I was so I was depressed and then I was depressed on depression yeah thinking of how I, now I'm thinking of how I have worked so hard to be the person I wanted to be and then now this illness of me I didn't even know how like I wasn't motivated to
1: even do anything, anything. and
0: then I remember this and then, I'm, you know, when you made when I was mentally depressed, I lie in bed, and all, all I wished was for never to wake up, hmm. just sleep and never wake up. I'll literally count from one to one hundred to get a, a leg out of bed. Like I used to do that in my head. Wow. With people, but I'm counting before I wake up from the chair. Before I do anything, I had an alarm clock with me all over the house. So I was working with my alarm clock. So I could function somehow. I didn't even, I my you, I could not remember how to cook. I used to call a friend to ask her, how do you cook stew? Wow. But she was very supportive. She didn't question. She just told me, you have to put the tomato. And I'll ask her, what next? That's hmm. how depressed I was. I couldn't remember how to cook stew, what goes in first. I couldn't, I wasn't bothered to have a shower. I'll go in the bathroom and think I've had a shower. i just go and sit there and then I get out. It didn't bother me. I sat for, I could be sitting there for weeks without having a shower. You wouldn't notice because you've seen me go in there. Right. you the Like, even the motivation to pull, I'm trying to use examples to show how depression really is into someone's body. Yeah. The motivation to brush your teeth, you don't have it. It's that bad. And at the time, I had my husband was very supportive with a family my cousin and I had, they were really, really supportive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there was this thick they didn't want people to know. To know, that yeah, the mental institution, right? That is why a lot of people were shocked. I mean, shocked when they heard a lot of people in my community. I could count the number of people who. You that have been in and out of a mental institution. The first time I went into a mental institution, two of my friends, a family of mine, Ghanaians, knew my husband, my cousin, my friend and her fam- my friend and her husband. Yeah, those were the only people who knew I had gone in and out of a mental institution. Now, now people just saw me with this heart and they are thinking, what happened? That. It bothered me a lot because I was in a new community that just came from Germany. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did not know me at the time, so they just thought, oh, maybe that's just me. People did not know me personally. So they thought, oh, I'm just a quiet person, I'm just a shy person. I don't yeah.
1: like to
0: interact. So I always just sat there looking at everybody, looking very miserable. Really, really miserable. And I'm saying to myself, I know this is not me.
1: Yeah,
0: When am I going to get back? To my body, yes. Well, to describe like my patient has gone on vacation. When is she coming back? Right. So then I just locked myself up in the house and I couldn't go out. I couldn't do anything. I call this very good sister, my my friend, my childhood friend, and I'm crying all the time. No, listen, I couldn't cry. I mean, tears couldn't come.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm sad, but I can't cry.
1: Tears yeah. Come- so basically, were you emotionally numb? Numb. No. Hmm. You
0: laugh. Even if you crack a joke around me, I'm, I'm the highest club you can think of. But nothing was funny. Nothing wow. you, deli- not, you deliberately not wanting to laugh, but nothing was funny. Nothing was amusing to me. People hmm. have been laughing, and then I'm just looking around like, all I'm thinking in my head is, when is this going to end? Am I ever going to get out of this? Can these people understand that I just don't even want them to laugh? Can these people understand that the questions they're asking me is offending me? Hmm.
1: Can these
0: people just let me be in bed and sleep? And when I'm going in bed, I'm praying to God that can this day just be extended maybe for a week? Let me just be in bed and never get out of bed.
1: Right. The
0: morning I have to take the kids to school, I'm offended. I have to walk past and let him my face. you would tell there's something wrong with me. It's not, it can't hide. And then, then I finally had to, 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 to tell myself one day, like, you've always been this fighter, not now. You cannot let yourself, how do you want to get out of this? Yes, the medication, the medication helps the symptoms. Yeah. Because this is another thing. This is another reason why this is another thing that pushed me into this mental awareness. Medications cure the symptoms. Medications cured my symptoms. Now I'm fine. Now I'm depressed. What next? Right. Had to look for a way out to get myself out of depression. Medications will boost you a bit, but I had to do the rest of the work. Mm. I then had to be me being very, very conscious. It's hard. The hardest thing if you know a family member who gets out of depression, I read somewhere that people need to start giving a, a cards to people who have been through mental illness and honestly, they deserve a party. Yeah. Like we celebrate birthday parties, marriages, they deserve a party. It's hard. It's just that people don't see people
1: yeah. think you're
0: joking. And they don't take it seriously. People, people, people take cold seriously. That that mental illness. Yeah. One day I stand in my house and I think, how am I getting myself out of this? First, I need to do a weight this week because that was the only thing that my how I look is now. It's it's my health is first, but then how I look was very important to me. Yeah. Very, very important to me. So I had to, and then I was, I almost broke the internet. I didn't have the motivation to exercise. I tried doing exercise. My body was so heavy because I put on weight to the point where I can't even run.
1: My Mm. knees were
0: hurting. Every part of my body was hurting, so I could not even exercise because I'm carrying a weight that's not mine.
1: Yeah. And
0: finally, I stumbled on a video online with this guy who did water fasting. And, And I did water fasting continuously. I put up a picture the other day on Facebook. But I don't know if you saw that picture, the difference.
1: Yeah, the before and after. Yes. Mm-hmm. That
0: was water fasting. Because someone came and commented, was this surgery? or that was water fasting. That was uh, motivated by one guy that has I And look, he, but he wants that you have to do your research before you do this. Yeah. And I did my research on that. And I was like, at this point in time, if it worked for you, Work for me, right? And then I put that is another hardest thing I ever did doing water fasting continuously for like two weeks before I stopped. Wow, and then I carried on just water. I said to myself, I think I've been through all kinds of challenges. This one, I have to challenge myself.
1: Yeah, now
0: I was having my self confidence back and my life. Just me looking myself in the mirror and feeling happy mm-hmm. boosted my confidence. And the depression just gradually I could feel like okay, I'm feeling myself. Yeah. I feel like doing makeup. I feel like doing the things because after I lost that weight, I did not continue. I started doing my normal exercise of running every day five kilometers, ten kilometers, nine kilometers. Mm. Because I wanted that immediate fat to go away. So yeah, I, it was it was like I call it um hack,
1: a weight loss hack. Yes. Which I am not recommending to
0: anyone. Anyone <laughs> can do it if they want to, they do their research as well, but it works. Yeah. It's hard to do by the way. A lot of ladies have contacted me, i told them they tried it, they couldn't succeed. It has to do with your mind. Your
1: mind, like, yes. Yes, you have to make up your so mind. Like,
0: exercise, you have to use your mind. You have to be conscious of what you want to do
1: yeah and Even that's people come to me i'm like
0: why are you doing it are you doing it because i did it or are you doing it because you have a reason
1: if you yes. don't have
0: a reason you will not succeed yeah my reason at the time was to get my body back Yeah. bringing back patience into my body which i did and i was very confident and, and i was happy the whole of 2018 I was taking pictures every day because I lost a year of depression Mm -hmm. feeling myself. And then in the same month of 2018, I relapsed again.
1: Oh, We have come to the end of part one of this two-part segment. We will continue part two in the next episode shortly. But in the meantime, I hope Pishance's story has empowered you to be more aware of the realities of mental health. Catch you on the next episode.
0: on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo FarmBard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.